0: So excited to share with you guys about this. Um, this has been this has been just a uh, such an encouragement to me, and I, I'm really uh, I've been praying that for you guys that it'd be an encouragement to you, and uh, and that God would be glorified in our work. Um, so uh, let's start with a, a show of hands. Um, who here has a job? Okay, that's pretty much everybody. Um, uh, so, what do you guys do? Just shout it out. What do you What do you guys do for jobs? Someone's got to start it. Software engineer. Software engineer, awesome. What else? Finance. Finance. All right. Tighten toilet seats. <laughs> you tighten toilet. <laughs> there you go. Tighten toilet seats. What else? Barbecue. Barbecue. There you go. A lot of what was that? A lot of food. Yeah. Uh, The next question that comes out of that um, is, is your work important, right? Is tightening toilet seats important? (laughs) (laughs) Right? Is is working as a software engineer, is that important, right? Is mowing lawns important? Um, Is doing homework important? Right? Um, if you're anything like me, you might, you might want to pause for a second, or you, you might feel like you need to pause for a second to answer that question, right? Um, but we spend a lot of time at work. And uh, if you guys realize, once you get a co- out of college, you're going to spend even more time at work. So um, if, if, if you may not realize this, but if you have a career someday, you're going to spend a third of your waking time, or about uh, 87,000 hours at work. That's on average. and uh, So is, is your work important to God? That's, that's the question I want to answer tonight. The reason I ask is because a lot of Christians believe that work is completely secular, and it's not sacred, right? It just doesn't relate to following Christ, right? Since many people's work doesn't relate to the Bible or evangelism or um, anything like that, we just, we think it's not sacred. We do some work for God, but that's only after we, you know, spend our time doing less spiritual things, right? Like, some some have even taught that Christians that, I, I found a, a quote, actually, that Christians that work in secular jobs are second class or second rate, right? Is that true? Right, the idea is that only Christians in full-time ministry, like pastors or missionaries or anything like that, are living up to the full potential of what God desires. Only Christians who've given away all their possessions and moved to the other side of the world are serving God, right? And that's, that's kind of discouraging for the rest of us, isn't it? Right? Because that's not the boat that most of us are in. Right? Matt, Matt was mentioning, I, I work as, a, um, as an engineer in town. I graduated a couple years ago, and... Uh, and uh, I, f- I feel that. I feel this, uh, this strain. And I think if all of us are honest, we, we know what that's like, because we love serving the Lord, but um, there's times at which we feel like we can't, right? Um, but nothing could be further from the truth. Nothing could be further from the truth. Work isn't just a necessary evil, right? It's not a second-class occupation. It's God-ordained. And I'm not just going to say that. We're going to see that from God's word. And that's the most exciting part about that. Nothing is further from the, tru- from the truth that work is completely secular. Nothing could be further from the truth than what people say that work is completely secular. God is the one that designed work, right? He, he made us to be working creatures and, um, and we can glorify him through our work. Second Thessalonians three ten some of uh, Paul's strongest words of rebuke are for people that were Christians that were refusing to work. And he says, "If anyone's not willing to work, let him not eat." Right? That's pretty intense, isn't it? That just shows how important he thought work was. And so, yeah, I've, I've been again. I've been praying that this would be an encouragement for us, and uh, and that we would use our work for God's glory. Um, let's let's turn to Titus chapter two just. Uh, Still, by way of introduction here, Titus chapter 2, we're going to see an example of how important work is. Right, in this book, uh, Paul's instructing Titus how to lead the churches in Crete, and which was an ungodly place, and he's showing them how to be a light to the people that are around them right? Um, we're going to look at his instructions to servants, which corresponds to us. So just look at this. Titus 2, starting in verse 9. Bond servants are to be submissive to their own masters in everything. They're to be well-pleasing, not argumentative, not pilfering, but showing all good faith so that in everything, what? They may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior, Right? Our work in itself has a direct connection to how others view the gospel of Christ. Um, and what could be more important than that, right? If work is that important, we need to hear what God has to say about it um, and how he's designed our work to be. So let's turn to Colossians 3. This is where we're going to spend most of our time. learning about the discipline of work. And I really think this is, Personally, I think this is one of the clearest passages about how God relates to us in our work um, and how important he sees our work as. Um, And and personally, I think it's one of the most encouraging. So uh, Colossians 3, starting in verse 17. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master who is in heaven. Right. As you can see, the, the passage that we're looking at primarily is talking about relationships. Uh, Verses 12 through 17 talk about principles for relationships in general. And then verses 18 through chapter 4, verse 1 talk about three specific relationships. Um, the marriage, family, and work. And if you think about it, those are, those are really the three most fundamental relationships we have, aren't they? Right. Verses 18 and 19, wives and husbands in a marriage relationship. 20 and 21, talking about children and parents. And 22 through chapter 4, 1, talk about bond slaves or bond servants and masters, right? And every one of these relationships, catch this, every one of these relationships should revolve around Jesus Christ. And that's that's the point of the book of Colossians, right? Look at verse 17, whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Right. Everything, in our, everything in our relationships um, in our lives should revolve around Jesus Christ and our work is no different. Right, So getting back to verse 22, some of you might be asking, uh, some of you might have noticed that this doesn't actually say employers or employees or workers. It actually says servants and masters, which you might be wondering about that. How, what does that have to do with me? Right, I'm not a slave. I don't think so. But... Um, and that's a good question, right? The, and the fact is that we're, we're pretty removed from the people that this was written to, right? 2000 years, halfway across the world, right? Very different culture, right? When we think of slavery, the first thing we think of, our minds immediately go to African American slavery, right? In our country, which you know, we, we equate slavery with evil, mistreatment, all that stuff, right? And, and I think rightly so, because it was, was evil in many ways. But but many first century readers, this is a little bit different, they would have seen things a little bit differently than we do, actually. Um, in fact, in the first century, a slave was often better off than someone who just worked for themselves. And that was because a slave actually had consistent work. A slave actually had food that was provided for them, that was guaranteed. They actually had shelter that was provided for them. They actually had people that would take care of them. It's quite a bit different than our view of slavery, right? By the time of the New Testament, almost a third of the Roman Empire was slaves, which interestingly, I thought this was interesting, but that's about the same number of people that are in the workforce in our country today. Um, Slaves had a variety of jobs. Someone said this, I'm quoting, Slaves could be doctors, musicians, teachers, artists, librarians, or accountants. In short, almost all jobs could be and were filled by slaves, right? So that's, that's it's quite a bit different than our view of slavery. So I think we need a little bit of a mind shift when we think about this, right? We may be wondering why the New Testament doesn't address employees directly, right? It doesn't have something, passages that talk about employees, and that's the reason that's the case is because the things that we need to hear are in these passages that are written to slaves, right? These are the ones that apply to us, right? They worked for their masters consistently, and they were provided for. That's, I mean, it's just like us, really. There are some differences, um, but there is a close parallel. So um, I'm going to stop there with the uh, explaining the background with slaves and stuff. If If you guys have some more questions on that. There was, on um, the bottom of your outline, there's a couple resources um, that were helpful for me. Um, but from that, from that, actually before that, um, there's quite a few passages in the New Testament that talk to slaves. right? I think I counted up eight separate passages. So that's, it's quite a few, actually. So we can't say that God doesn't have anything to say about our work. Right, from this, we can see Paul, um, when Paul is speaking to slaves in this passage, he's speaking to us. And that's, that's the point I'm trying to get across. When we read this, when we see the word bondservants, that's us. Right? So with all that in mind, let's go back and look at God's design for work. Right? Paul says to the, the slaves in this church and us, as workers, bond servants, or employees, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters. Right, this is the first point on our outline. It's the command is to obey, the command to obey. And it's a really simple command, isn't it? There's really nothing to it. It's, it's simple because it's, it's kind of the purpose of slaves and employees in the first place you do what your boss says, right? It's pretty simple. You do what they say. Um, your boss didn't hire you to sit around. He hired you to work, and you told him you were going to do that when you took the job, right? So obey. Isn't that, it's, it's simple enough, isn't it? it? To obey means that you're, you're going to listen to what they want, you're going to do what they want, and you're going to do it in the way that they want you to do it. Like, if you want to do your own thing, you probably should go somewhere else, you should start your own business, but, but the, fact, the fact that there's a command here in the first place shows us that not all slaves obey their masters, and not all employees employ, obey their employers. right? Right. They may obey sometimes, right? But notice what it says. It says, obey in all things. Obey in everything. Right? There's no qualification there. right? Sometimes we may feel like we can pick and choose what's most important to obey what our boss says. Sometimes we may feel that we know better than our boss. Sometimes we may know better than our boss, or we may know a better way to do something than our boss, but that's not, that's not what this says, is it? It says, obey your masters right? The issue is submission to God-ordained authority, right? God is pleased when we submit, and when I say that word submit, that means to obey and respect. There's kind of both of those combined there. God is, he's pleased when we submit to authorities he's placed in our lives, because it's it's a matter of us trusting his sovereignty, right? Look back at 318, wives submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord, right? Look at verse 20. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Right? For you who are wives, is your husband perfect? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Right? That's not the point. Right? I don't think we have any children here that can actually answer this question, but... um, Well, I guess we are all our children, but... Um, or were your parents perfect? No, right? You start to realize that as time goes on, your parents aren't perfect, you know? But that's, that's not the point, right? God is pleased when we submit to the authorities He's placed in our lives as, as an issue of, of obedience to Him, right? So that's, that's the first point on our, on our outline, obey, obey in everything, those are your earthly masters. Um, so that command is kind of broad. So Paul's going to go on further to kind of explain this a little bit further. Right? So the next point on our outline is how to obey. How do we obey? How do we actually do this? What does this look like? Um, he says, Obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye surface as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do work heartily is for the Lord and not for men. All right? So how we're supposed to obey, I broke this up into two points, is in honesty, that's the first one, and intensity. All right? Those are two subpoints, honesty and intensity. In each of these commands, the mindset that we have, I want you to get this. The mindset that we have when we're doing these commands is very important. What we're thinking about and why we're doing these things is very important. So I just, just want you to keep that in mind as we go through this, right? But first we're told to obey in honesty. He says, obey not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Right. Paul makes a, a contrast between obeying with eye service on one hand and obeying with sincerity on the other hand. That's the contrast he's making. Eye service refer, refers to obeying only when your boss is watching or only when there's some benefit to you. Right? This is the wrong way to obey. This is not how we should obey. Eye service can be seen on both ends of the, of the spectrum in lazy people, but also in hardworking people, the overachievers, you might call them. Right like the lazy people, they do eye service so that they don't have to do their work hard, right? They want ease. They want comfort. They want the benefits of doing hard work without actually doing anything. And that's, that's wrong. That's what this is saying. That's wrong. Um, the overachieving worker, on the other hand, they do eye service. They gain something from their boss, maybe respect, recognition, maybe a promotion, more money, bigger bonus, right? And there's, there's one thing in common with both of these people. They have a selfish heart, right? These servants are seeking to serve themselves in the end. They're serving themselves. And this self-seeking attitude is going to lead to hypocrisy. It's going to lead to deceit. It's going to lead to dishonesty. Because these people, they, they're going to do what they want and they don't care if God knows what they're doing, right? I contrast that with the next phrase. It says, not in eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Right? This is how we're supposed to obey. To obey in sincerity is not in eye service. Right? It's honest, genuine, it's open, it's truthful. There's no hidden motive for these people. Right? These people have nothing to hide because they're honestly doing what they're supposed to. They're not seeking their own desires. That's how we should be obeying. That's how Paul is telling us to obey here, right? Not in eye service, but in sincerity, right? Right? These people don't have to minimize Facebook when when their boss comes by, right? (laughs) Who hasn't done that, right? Because you're doing what they want. You don't have to hide something, right? Paul, Paul uses the same word, sincerity, and in uh, 1 Corinthians one twelve, He's defending his character and he says, we behaved in the world with simplicity and godly sincerity. And what he, what he means is that he had a clear conscience and he knew that the people he was writing to knew his reputation, right? In the same way, in the same way as that, our reputation should be clear with the people we work with and our conscience should be clear as well, right? God is commanding us here to obey in sincerity of heart, right? That's, wow, well, that's a lot already, huh? The, the mindset required, so, so moving on, the, the mindset required for working in honesty is found in the next phrase, fearing the Lord. This is the mindset we need. Remember I, I mentioned the mindset is very important and that's, it's kind of the point of this passage, to be honest with you, keeping the right mindset, right? The phrase, So the phrase fearing the Lord, it kind of means two different things. It means that we fear what's going to happen if we do something wrong. We fear being dishonest. We fear being um, being caught, having the, the consequences of our actions come back on us, right? And more than that, we fear God's judgment because God knows all that we do, right? Like Listen, listen to these words from Hebrews 4.13. No creature is hidden from his sight but all are naked and exposed before the eyes of Him to whom we must give an account. Right, the the phrase fear of the Lord also means it's worship, right, there's reverence. So we should be worshiping God through our work, right? And and when we take this together, fearing the Lord, it it has two aspects, you know, fearing His judgment, and on the other hand, worshiping Him and working in, in light of him. And bo- both of these are recognition of who God is, right? Both of these are recognition of who God is. And, and this, is, this is what I, the point that's coming across here. We need to be mindful of God in our work. We need to be mindful of God in our work. We need to be mindful of him as, as judge on one hand and Lord on the other. We, don't, we shouldn't leave the idea of God at church. Take him to work with you, right? He's not distant or uninvolved. He cares about our work, right? If we aren't mindful of his omniscience, we're going to be okay with dishonesty, right? If we're not mindful that God knows what I'm doing. God knows how I'm spending my time. God knows how hard I'm working. If we're we're okay with that, if we are not mindful of that, we're going to be okay with dishonesty. And if we're not mindful of his greatness, we're not going to work as worship to him. We're not going to use our work as worship to him. And without this mindset, our work is not going to be what God wants it to be. Get that? It's not going to be what God wants it to be. So that's honesty, right? That's the first thing. Obey in honesty. Second, we're supposed to obey with intensity. We have the the next couple words. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. All right, it can be easy to feel like, um, it can be easy to work hard if we feel like what we're doing is important, right? If we feel like this actually has some value what if something's more menial, right? What if it doesn't seem important? It doesn't matter how menial something may be, God wants us to do it well. He's asking us to do it well. And it says work heartily, right? That, that phrase that's translated heartily, it's, it's even more intense when you look at the original language. It means from your soul work from your soul or out of your soul. You could also translate it, work out of your soul, your life, work out of your spirit, work out of your heart, right? You can almost feel what he's trying to say, right? The point that he's getting across is we should be working with our entire being, with our whole being. We should, we should be doing it with everything in us. Everything we do should be done willingly from the heart or out of our soul. This definitely means that no Christian should be lazy, right? Right? But this also means that no Christian should ever do subpar work or half-hearted work, right? God desires us to put the effort that he's given us, the strength that he's given us into things using the creativity and abilities he's given us for his glory, right? Paul might have borrowed this phrase, this phrase, out of the soul. He might have borrowed this from Matthew, uh, Mark 12, 30. Jesus said to love the Lord your God with all your heart. It's, it's the same phrase, out of all your heart. Love the Lord your God out of all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength, right? We, we often emphasize from that passage that We should love God with everything in us and with our complete being. And in the same way, guys, we're supposed to work out of our soul for God. All right. So again, like the first one, we have a mindset that we're we're required to have when we work in intensity. It says, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Right, there may be some reason to work hard for our earthly masters, but there's so much more when we work for Jesus, right? There's so much more motive. Amen. Amen. Um, so we, we need to keep this mindset, right? Of ultimately we're serving Christ in our work, right? The distinction of serving Christ and serving men is actually, it's actually throughout this whole um, passage. If you look back at uh, verse 22, it says, Bondservants obey in everything those who are your earthly masters. That's the same word as Lord. So you could just as well say, Bondservants obey in everything those who are your earthly lords, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work hardly as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Do you see that contrast there? You are serving your earthly master in a way, but ultimately you are serving Christ. You are serving a greater Lord. Right, mindset. Mindset is almost everything in this passage. How we view the things that we do and how that affects how we do this. Right? Verse 17, again, going back to verse 17, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Right? Do everything at work with him in mind, do everything for his glory. Right? As a book of Colossians, the whole book has emphasized everything in our lives have to revolve around Jesus Christ. Everything in our lives has to revolve around Jesus Christ. And It's kind of it's interesting if you, uh, the word Lord, I didn't realize this, but this is the most common title for Jesus in the, in the New Testament. I, I counted them up. There's 142 times that he's referred to as Lord, um, which is like 10 times more than he's called Savior, which is, which is interesting, isn't it? Um, that's because he's the one that's in charge of our lives. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping by this point, we're not kind of overwhelmed with this. There, there's a lot to this. This is a lot of stuff and this is hard, right? But now we're gonna go on and get some further motivations why we should follow this command, right? And this is gonna be a great encouragement. That's the next point on your outline. Why to obey this command. So why should we obey this command to obey our earthly masters, right? Let's, let's turn to Ephesians 6 real quick. Uh, that's a couple books to your left. And, uh, and this, this book is a parallel to Colossians, so a lot of the stuff that's said here is also said in Colossians. Um, and uh, you're going to recognize a lot of what I'm reading right here, starting in chapter 6, verse 5. Bondservants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart, as you would Christ, not by the way of eye service, as people pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will, as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bondservant or he is free. Right? Right? We should obey. This is the first reason we should obey. Because the Lord is going to reward our efforts. The Lord is going to reward our efforts in the end. He knows all that we do. He knows the heart motives. He knows why we do the things we do. And no good deed is going to go unnoticed. Right? Nothing that we do, God will not notice. Many of our, uns, our, our good works are going to be unseen by people, right? But he knows them all, and he will repay us back for them. And isn't that gracious of him? Right? We're already getting paid to work. But he will reward work that's done for his glory. So that's, that's why we should obey this command. Let's turn back to Colossians. Why should we obey this command to obey, right? Secondly, why, should, why we should obey this command is because the same Lord that commands us obedience is the same Lord that's going to give us the inheritance as the reward. Look at that, verse 22. Knowing that from the Lord, you will receive the inheritance as your reward. Right, and what does that mean? We might just think off the bat that... This is just the same as what we saw in Ephesians 6, but, uh, but I think this is a little bit different and there's a little bit of back and forth. I looked at a couple commentaries on this, so um, study it out, I guess, on your own. But this is, this is what I really think this is talking about. Every time in the New Testament it speaks of an inheritance, it's talking about eternal life and entrance, inheritance in the kingdom of God, right? First Peter one, um, Peter says, we're born again to a living hope, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Right, he's talking about eternal life, our sure eternal life. Paul in Ephesians, back in the book of Ephesians where we just were, he says this twice. He says that believers have obtained an inheritance. And later he says that the people that are sexually immoral have no inheritance, right? He's, he's again, he's referring to eternal life. So, so what does that look like in Colossians 3? Um, this is a little bit different than what we typically think of as a reward, right? Why should we obey this command? Because the Lord that commands us is the same Lord that saved us. He's the same one that gave us new life. He's the same one that united us with him. Right? In light of his mercy, we should be working heartily for him, right? We should be doing that willingly, right? And this, that's not burdensome, is it, right? Serving someone that's given you so much. right? Next, we got two more. Why should we obey this command to obey? Third, and this is, this is, you guys, this has to be the most encouraging one for me. Um, because in our work, we are actually serving the Lord Christ. Look at the end of verse 24. You are serving the Lord Christ. This is such an encouragement, isn't it? Notice he, he doesn't say it's, it's like you're serving the Lord Christ if you work. No, you are serving the Lord Christ. Did you hear that? You are serving the Lord Christ. Have you ever thought of your work as that? Right? It's service to Christ. Do you want to serve the Lord who saved you and gave you righteousness and gave you an inheritance like we were looking at into the kingdom? Do you want to serve him? Obey your boss. Right? That sounds so simplistic, doesn't it? Because in that, you are serving the Lord Christ, right? We, we really need to remind ourselves of this, truths like this, because um, it's, again, like, like I said earlier, it's so easy to separate the sacred and the secular, right, right? I come to church and now I'm doing something for the Lord, right? We come to cross life and we're really serving the Lord. We preach a sermon and we feel like we're really serving the Lord, right? We tell people about Christ and we feel like we're serving the Lord. We move overseas as missionaries and we feel like we're serving the Lord. And Paul is just seeking to demolish that kind of thinking, right? Because they had that thinking, bond servants way back then, they had the same kind of thinking that we have, they had that same kind of struggle. They want to serve Christ, but they don't feel like they are. Right? I, I can think of so many times just sitting at work thinking, right? It, why am I here? You know, you guys know what I'm talking about? What am I doing here? Is, is this actually important? There is no sacred and secular. Right? This, this, I think this is the clearest verse in the Bible to get rid of that because in your work, Whatever your work is, in your work, you are serving Christ. Do you you guys see that? You are serving the Lord Christ. Right? Do you bag groceries for a living? You're serving the Lord Christ. Do you tighten toilet seats for a living? You're serving the Lord Christ. Right? Are you a software engineer? You're serving the Lord Christ. Right? Are you doing your engineering homework? You're serving the Lord Christ. Are you writing papers? You're serving the Lord Christ. Are you mowing lawns? You're serving the Lord Christ. Are you working at a barbecue restaurant? You're serving the Lord Christ. Are you working at home? You're serving the Lord Christ. Do you deliver packages? I mean, fill in the blank, right? Not everyone's called the full-time ministry but we can serve the Lord as an encouragement to us. Um, Lastly, why should we obey this command? Verse 25, for the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done and there is no partiality. Right, there's gonna be just consequences for if we do wrong. Just like Christ rewards every good deed Every evil deed is going to be brought into the light. Right? All the times we've wasted time you know, and we haven't worked as we ought to, we've been dishonest. Those will come into the light. Even believers are going to have some level of consequence for this. So that's the last reason on there. So in, cl- in closing, I want to ask you guys a question that I started with. right? Is your work important? Is your work important? And I hope you can see that it, it is. I really hope you can see that it is. Whatever you work, wherever you work, whoever you work for, however big and small things you do, you're serving the Lord Christ. If you don't remember anything else, just I want you to remember that. You are serving the Lord Christ. Actually, I wrote that on a sticky note and put it on my computer the other day because I just forget that so often, right? So let's, let's bow for a second in closing. We have such a tendency to separate sacred and secular. But the Lord, 1 Corinthians ten thirty one, he says, he says to do everything for the glory of God, right? Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do everything to the glory of God. And so, and so this is how we work for the glory of God. All right. Every area should be affected by Jesus Christ. Lord, we, uh, Lord, we thank you so much for this encouragement. Lord, we thank you so much for this, uh, this call to, to work for you. Lord, and it's a joy. Lord, it really is a joy to uh, to work for you. It's a joy to uh, do anything, Lord, for you. And just the fact that we can glorify you in it is is motivation in itself, Lord. Lord, and we're so we're so encouraged that you don't. You don't treat us like we're unimportant, Lord. You care about the parts of our lives, every part of our lives. And Lord, I just want to ask, I want to ask, I want to plead that you uh, you would be glorified through our work, Lord. Lord, would you be glorified through our work? Lord, would we be mindful of you? Lord, we ask that you would help us in that. Lord, we pray these things in 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 Jesus' name. Amen.